I want to teach people to be each other's healers. One part best friend, one part therapist, one part coach, one part intimate partner. Sometimes the desire to be sexually intimate does not align. Right. That's where it started for us. And then it unfolded into a conversation about how are we going to take care of each other's needs in that situation. This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Welcome to We're Not Fine. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Fine. We're very excited to have you as usual. We're actually, as you probably noticed, doing a little bit of different lighting to see if this works for us or not. This is Um, like what we do in the shadows. We're in the dark. It is. It feels much like sexier than our usual vibe. It might be sexier. I must also say that Somehow I look like a tomato, and I don't know if that's my trip to Florida. I did some yard work yesterday, but what I really want to talk today, because there's a big joke that Doug gets injured a lot because he takes jujitsu, jujitsu, and I get into fights, and so, of course, I have black eyes and broken ribs and all that stuff, but, however, my colleague here, my my co-host, my lovely pod spouse, um, has a broken nose today. Let's talk about this. Did you get into a fight? This is so rude. I can't believe you're outing me like that because here's the difference is Tell me. your injuries yeah. give like sexy, mystery, danger, oh, yeah. drama. Yeah. And mine yeah. just gives bad yeah. depth perception. Uh, so what happened? Can you explain to me what happened? Well, first, I would like to say that it was an innocent bonfire with my beautiful husband. And yes, we were sharing a glass of sherry mm. by the bonfire. And then, as I usually do, I was walking very, very fast. And you don't look ahead when you walk. You walk to I the don't. side. You look to the side and you're like, you should I, probably see ahead to see if true. you're going to hit anything. I should. Like, because you might hit something. Did you hit something? It may or may not have been a sliding glass door that I really certain was open because, you know, the teenagers were in and out and the dogs were in and out. Are you blaming out. other people? Well, what if I told you that the, it was actually open, but not in the spot that I walked into at 50 miles an hour? The danger of doing good <laughs> housekeeping and cleaning your glass. So you it, did not know which one was which. It wasn't that clean and I wasn't looking. And then I started gushing blood out of my nose and my mouth and on the top of my nose right here. I got some pictures right away. So I saw the wound that was there, but I did not see the blood flowing down. I would have liked to have seen that as well. Yeah, it was really exciting and I was like, oh Can we God, redo it so that I can see what that looks like? Did we do? You want to do a, you know, a re How about if I close the door to this office 
And I say, the door's wide open, Talia. Look at me the whole time you're walking toward it. You know what I really want to talk about? <laughs> Tell me what. Is um, our vacation episode. Yeah, oh. Where you and I were both remote, and you got some feedback from your best friend and our <laughs> AV uh, guy about how you looked and sounded after nine days. I think the West. word was horrible. <laughs> you looked horrible, Doug. You sounded horrible. You weren't yourself. You weren't talking normally. Yeah. So I apologize if I was like totally in vacation mode, but I was. And I had probably yeah. had a few grapefruit crushes the night before or the morning. I don't even remember, but I, I was not in podcast mode. No, and you did. I in your that. defense, yeah. you did not want to do any recording. I did say that to you, yes, before I left. I said, I'm not going to be in a place to do that. Because when I go on vacation, guys, I need to clear my head. I need to just like really just banish from mental thinking, and I need to... <laughs> As opposed to bodily thinking? Oh, my body was thinking. <laughs> it was definitely thinking and reacting. So, unlike you, yes, I should... I, Regret that I even tried to do any sort of recording, but right. I felt pressured by my Sergeant Jackson next to me to do uh, something. But it's because the last several episodes that we've actually recorded, we have decided after the fact that we can't air them. And so we were we have. behind. And this is what it looks like. We have a vacation episode, which actually, um, if you did get a chance to listen to Leah Lamella's awesome podcast, where she it was, was good. interviewing us yep. about um, the stigma of mental health in the trades, that was actually really, her podcast is awesome. Yeah, it was a really good episode. And today, we're excited. We've never done this before, but we have a couple, yep. Heather and Marshall, and they're telling us all about truth-empowered relationships and how it was developed, how they met, how they developed this style of coaching couples. Yep. But the best part is they're going to show us in action and we're going to throw some really impossible, complicated, but very common couple issues at yeah. them. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating because we both, you know, expertise in relationship work, yeah. but always open to like new ways of thinking and doing. And I cannot wait mm -hmm. because my tendency is to think I'm going to like probably analyze their own relationship communication while they're doing it. So I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. We're so glad you're here. Yeah. Can't wait to show you. Enjoy the episode. Right, I'm let's go. so excited. We've never had a couple on. This is a brand new experience, and not yeah. only are you two, Heather and Marshall, coming on to talk about truth-empowered relationships, and the best part of all of this is that the two of you are going to model for us what that looks like, and we're going to throw out there a couple of really challenging but pretty common typical couples issues and then we're going to see what it looks like in action. And I'll tell you, I'm so excited as well. Like, first of all, Tali and I have an expertise in relationship work. Our podcast is about relationships. But it's exciting to have a relationship in front of us for the first time yes. and not just talking about it. And I will say that in these first few minutes of getting to know the two of you prior to, you know, starting the recording, uh, what a delight it is. I love how you two communicate so far. I love how your energy is over the course of from Minnesota to Michigan. Um, so I'm very excited to have you on the We Are Not Fine podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank us you. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So start by telling us a little bit about who you are. I'd love to hear from each of you. 
You want me to go first? You always go first. <laughs> well, maybe, Heather, that means you should go first. Yeah, do you want me to? Well, well the reason I say you always go first is because this question puts me in, like, freeze mode because I still wake up every day with imposter syndrome. Who am mm. I? But I also kind of love, Heather, I love that sort of challenge. Like, as I'm listening to you, I, I kind of love that, you know, this imposter syndrome I'm even curious about because... Uh, it means that there's a part of you that you're adjusting to or that you're getting comfortable with, right? And of course, we're like all about the reframe because I was thinking like, how do you know that's imposter syndrome and not like an existential question yeah. of identity? Now I have imposter syndrome about having imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We're really glad to encourage that. That's sweet. I love it. Of course. I, I, love, I love losing labels. But I welcome them for as long as I need them, and um, and so I'm I'm sitting with imposter syndrome and dissecting it and seeing where it comes from, where it applies, and then as soon as I start to see myself clearly, you know, a little piece of it gets chipped away. So that's what I mean by like I wake up every day and I face it. Um, some days it's it's more intense and I have more work to do than other days. Um, Today, I woke up and I had it pretty strong because I was coming on to a podcast and had to talk about myself. And then I laid on my acupressure mat and I'm like, just you are who you are. And that'll just come out while you're talking. And it's it's not as easy for me to put into just a here's my life and this is who I am type of paragraph summary or anything. But but you'll you'll kind of discover who I am throughout the podcast. You know what's really beautiful about what you just said? I mean, you really described how you get in touch with your identity and how you ground yourself and how you get comfortable with talking about who you are. Like you have a process that you just described, the acupressure mat, the, the cognitive work that you just described doing in terms of saying, I am who I am, which is kind of the beautiful piece. You know, one of the things that I think therapy is about is living an honest life. And I think the best thing that people can do in their therapy is to figure out who they are, which leads down the path of like, well, how you want to live your life. So I'm kind of yeah. loving that you just described something that I think viewers can latch on to in terms mm -hmm. of take a moment, you know, ground yourself, get calm, do whatever you need to do to find, find your groundedness and your center. I love it. Yeah. And I try not to judge myself when I don't know who I am. That's you know, great. Leave that too, because that's a part of who I am. Yeah. It, it's presence. 100%. I love that. That's so real. And also, I think, very inspiring. Just, I, do too. I think a lot of our <laughs> listeners will be able to relate to that. Of, yeah. It's really hard to figure out how to describe myself in two sentences. Well, and the non-judgment part is just really critical. I'm sorry to interject so much at this introduction part, but Heather, you hit on some really, really important pieces as we discover who we are is to not be shamed or judged or whatnot, especially internally. So what a beautiful statement. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. How about you, Marshall? Well, and I have a similar, maybe not a similar journey, but I have a journey of my own when it comes to that. I remember, this a, it feels like another lifetime ago, uh, I interviewed to be uh, a host on QVC, you know that shopping channel? Oh, oh my God, of course. We sure do. And I, <laughs> I was going up the ranks and I had one more interview and I thought, I'm gonna really show them I can do this. And I, I had to, they said, bring an item on to sell and sell it to us. And I sold them a paperclip. And I thought, well, if I can do this, I'm in. Now it was my final interview. And it's th at this point, I would get hired. And they said, camera's on. We're rolling good. Tell us about yourself. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I, I fell silent. 
what I've learned in the many years since then is that I have to, I have to see what's true about me in the moment. And doctor, how do you like to be called? Should I call you Talia, Doctor Talia? What would you Talia like? Talia is just great. Thank okay. you. Okay. So you saw when we talked beforehand about the notes. I'm like, how about we just talk about what we talk about? And if you have something to ask, you can reference it. it that way. So like today, I'm looking at the sign behind you. I'm looking at the name of your show. Yeah. And I can tell, I use these podcast appearances, any appearance, as a potential opportunity to make a difference for the people who are listening to your show. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, that's in essence my journey because I was taught that I had a wonderful family, wonderful circumstances, even though there were many things about my life, which I can tell you in detail, that I didn't like. And I learned how to lie to myself, pretend, until I was fooling myself. And so there's a, a, I I don't know if I can get to it right now, I'm I'm with people I feel comfortable with, but there's a part of my smile that I have to go past where I tell you I can feel contempt in my smile because I was smiling, pretending I was fine and I was not. And as a matter Mm. of fact, Again, this all came to me just because I saw the the visual of the show, because I knew the name of your podcast. I remember walking down the stairs at work, uh, and I was frustrated with my relationships, with my job, with my life in general. And somebody passed me and said, how are you today, Marshall? And for the first time, I think in my life, I said, I'm not doing well today. I said, Mm -hmm. I'm not fine. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And there's this workshop I go do, blah, 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 blah. And I remember shaking inside, and I'm an honest person. But I lied three weeks in a row not to get out of that intro. The fourth week I went, and that was my introduction to personal personal development. And then I became a coach of my own. But it was all about admitting to myself that I wasn't fine. Mm -hmm. Well, and it makes me very curious, Marshall, about your upbringing and your childhood and your adolescence and whether or not it was an open relationship that you had to, to be expressive of what you were feeling or not. And, of course, no. I know the answer based on what you just said, so I appreciate the no. Um, tell more, tell, talk more about that. Well, I w- I'll start because I know that you, your degrees are in and your experience is in psychology. I was able to do something that psychologists will recommend against, which is uh, forge a healthy relationship with my mother. And she is the person who was convincing me as is the want of many people in her family, how wonderful everything was, how wonderful the family is. And I mm. had to get past it. There were months, she'll tell you too, where I would text her and I would say, I'm struggling psychologically. I can't talk right now. And I got the words out and I got the words out. We had multiple conversations. And finally she said to her great credit, she said, I recognize the sound of the words you're saying to me. They sound like me. I believe you. I just don't remember being like that. She's in her eight, mid-80s now. Wow. But this was uh, about a year and a half, two. It was during the pandemic, and I had long COVID, and I was it was scary for me. Uh. She was able to take th- that much ownership. And we are at the point where I say to her, be yourself. And if something comes up, and she's offered this to me too, she said, point it out to me, tell me. But one of the transformative moments in my life was when she treated me like she did when I was a child in front of Heather and in front of our son. And my son immediately started mocking me. And Heather said, I don't like this. I think that's what you said. Mm, yeah, I don't like that. It was, a, it, was an, it was a moment where someone was standing up for me that I didn't have in my life. Marshall, so, would yeah. you feel comfortable telling us a little bit about what that relationship was like and what the interactions or the damage or I think the gaslighting that you're talking about? 
my mother comes from a family of people who... Ba- we were talking about this yesterday. My mom was over here uh, for... Uh, she had a little bit of coffee. Um, we come. She comes from a family where harmony is to be kept at all costs. And that generally means the people who are mistreating others, you ignore them and pretend mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Wow. Yeah. And I used to think to myself, screaming in my head, I had several relatives who would scream at family parties, call people stupid, just very disrespectful, uh, emotionally disrespectful ways. And I would remember screaming myself, why isn't somebody doing something about this? And if you ask me why I'm a coach, a large reason is that and uh, uh, that my mom and dad, while I didn't like the way they treated me, they had a beautiful relationship. There were elements of it that I would have done differently, that we do do differently. But I grew up with a, a mom and dad who loved each other, and it was an extraordinary experience to watch. So I didn't feel safe being in my own body, but I loved watching the two of them. Yeah. So that was a that was a neat gift out of it. And then I think I mentioned to you, my father, um, after a sexual trauma I experienced at the hands of his mom, which he experienced too, mm. I, all I could manage to say, I was young, and I said... Uh, Daddy, I feel sad. And he said, don't, don't be sad, son. There are people in wheelchairs. Decades after that, because mm. I had to block it out. It was too much for me. I would yeah. see someone in a wheelchair, and my penis would ache. And that's a true story, because uh, the body remembers these things. The reason I've recovered to the extent I have, I've done a lot of energetic work. We constantly do work here, growth work together. But the reason I've recovered is because my body retained those memories. And I could go into them and you know, unearth them. From a somatic place. From a somatic place. All those feelings, all those body sensations that I am hypervigilant about to this day, though it's lessening, uh, all of them have, they can be decoded into words. Even if they're pre-verbal, they can be decoded into words. I mean, Marshall, what's so astounding about what you just shared? First of all, thank you for sharing that very vulnerable kind of story. Um, It means a great deal. There's a number of people who have that experience who are unable to recognize it, and you were encouraged to sweep it under the rug. Um, so I'm, I'm very impressed by your courageousness to really honor that this is what your experience was, to even being able to talk about like what that association is. The body does keep the score, as Bessel van der Kolk says. Um, the reality is, I think when you can acknowledge that that's what's going on, you can put those words into it. But it's a lot of work to get there because there's pain involved and there's grief involved and it's acknowledging that there were betrayals. Um, sexual abuse is a really tough thing to overcome. So... Really, congratulations on your journey. It's a really, really impressive and courageous path you're taking. And I think, thank you. And I, I noticed the word overcome that you said at the end. Mm-hmm. I would say it's acceptance because you're yeah. right. All those things, mm-hmm. about, including you didn't mention this because you're right about betrayal, disgust, and confusion. The confusion Shame. of, I don't Absolutely. want this to happen. And it feels good. That's very difficult. That it is a very common sort of ego dystonic feeling that people have that have been survivors of sexual abuses. There's a lot of confusion about that piece of it. And it it sounds like, Marshall, that a wake-up for you was when you had a loving, compassionate witness, maybe for the first time, with Heather noticing, that doesn't feel good. I don't like this dynamic. Yep. Yep. And, and in our physical relationship, too, um, we had a 
we have had and have from the beginning an incredibly flowing energetic connection with our sensual energy. But she was a stand for let's bring all of the consciousness into our physical intimacy. And so to this day, like I like coaching couples with her because she brings a perspective of what I consider to be wisdom. She's a wise person when it comes to understanding that life contains pain. I believe in act, acceptance, and commitment therapy. You have to accept life is painful. We're all going to die. That sucks. But the goal, I think, again, is to live life as honestly and authentically as possible, which means getting in touch with some of that pain, acknowledging that it's okay. And we as a culture in general, I think, have a very hard time encouraging people to be honest about that. And again, shame becomes kind of the word that comes up for me about this. We, we don't want to acknowledge that those things happen to us because it means having to face all of those feelings. Yes. So... So I think it's great. I mean, I think I think your story and your journeys for both of you and even how they're going back to your imposter syndrome comment, you know, this is about getting solid about who you are and, and accepting and acknowledging and expressing that on the outside as well as inside. So which makes it egocentonic. So I don't want to mislead any of your listeners. Um, we have to get up and have a disciplined day every morning. Heather spent some time on an acupuncture mat that we have here. I took a walk. It's not like we spring out of bed and we're like, everything's perfect. Uh, right. We still have to have a, a commitment to our discipline. We see uh, an energy worker once a week and all that stuff. Wow. So. I mean, but it sounds like you are living, you're walking the talk. You yes. are creating a life where you are working through. I mean, and I love that you said it's not really overcoming as much as it is accepting. It's letting those fibers of the pain and the trauma and the abuse just become fibers in your tapestry instead of the under the rug harmony at all cost which um i can relate to as well right that i also coming into this work um i harmony is such an important value to me and doug brings directness and honesty at all costs and that's why i think we have magic is because we're learning from each other and teaching each other and there's a beauty in coming together and I'm oh, so impressed sure. with the work that you did with your mom. And yeah. I would love to hear how the two of you found each other and how the truth-empowered relationships came about, the pillars of, like, tell teach us. Tell us a little bit about all of this. The, the, <laughs> there is an app. There is a, a card app called Carmen Euchre. I'm not trying to advertise for them at all, but <laughs> I love Euchre. It's a Midwestern game. And Heather loves Canasta, and it's a sister app, so she happened to be on Euchre. And wow. I was on for maybe a year before I even realized there was a little chat lobby in there. Oh and God. when I went in there, she happened to be one of the people. You couldn't really see her, and I had been committed. I, I'm in a, a marriage that I'm very glad didn't work out, but it was a sight-unseen marriage in terms of first meeting this person. I don't believe in in uh, uh, finding someone based on their physical qualities. I believe in finding someone based on their energetic qualities. So I couldn't really see her. She had like kind of a shaded picture, but her words were glowing. And she wrote me this long, I asked her some questions. She wrote me this long answer and it glowed. And when my relationship didn't work, my marriage didn't work out, I figured I would 
try moving there. We could be roommates, and I would uh, I would try to start a, fr- a franchise business down there. And we moved in, and it was pretty clear that our I wouldn't say pretty clear. That's this is what I would say. I was I was in California when we met on that app, and we were living in separate bedrooms. My wife and I we were essentially separated. And I remember typing in the qualities that I felt just chatting with her on this little card app. Up comes Twin Flame. Never heard that phrase in my life. But that is what she is to me. She completes me, as Jerry wow. Maguire would say. That's so sweet. Wait, are you telling me that you you didn't meet before you moved in? We I went down to visit her. Uh, but no, I didn't. We, we we didn't spend a significant amount of time. We went down. We talked. We said we're going to do this. I remember shaking her hand, mm-hmm. and she was very supportive about my marriage. And I remember going back, and it just didn't work out. So, yeah, yeah. We we recognized something. We were both looking for something in life. Like I had had enough in my life. It was time for a change, and and it just kind of clicked perfectly. Miraculously, Miraculous. this little bitty app, and then we were supportive of one another's growth, and then it transitioned into something, into this, and wow. it was like I don't even remember what living life before was like. It was. But I will. We were just. Was that yesterday or the day before? We were talking about the feeling of we're married, and we were talking about the feeling <laughs> of being married. My previous marriage. It felt like I was married in the idea that I was stuck with this person. Oh. I never feel like I'm married to her. Never. I know. It shocks me sometimes. How, what, like a couple years now, officially, we've been married? Okay, yeah, we've been together since 2017. <laughs> It'll cross my mind. Give or, oh. give or take a year or two. Already. <laughs> right. It'll cross my mind that we're married, and I'm like, oh, yeah. We're we're married. It's very weird, but I, I think that's know. how it's supposed to be, you know. Yes, I was I was just gonna say like I might argue that that's what a good marriage is supposed <laughs> to be. Yeah. You know, like not like oh I'm in prison and here's the paperwork and you know. But it sounds like what you're saying is that your marriage feels like you love each other with an open hand, yeah, and not like <clears throat> closed yes. fist. Yes. Well, I didn't hear that yet. I want to. I want to hear more. I mean, I think. <laughs> I think what you're talking about is a very organic experience. I'm also a little intrigued with how people meet these days because, the way that you talk about this, there's yes. something safe about distance. There's something safe about a chat room. There's something where you can take a little bit more risk, because you don't know that, and you don't have to necessarily commit to anything. So it's probable that you two were just kind of raw and honest, and it was a very organic sort of connection. Like it isn't a dating site. Well, and there was no pressure, really. Like, you didn't know what would happen, right? Oh, no. We were just checking. In fact, we were were checking some silly Chris Farley movie or something like that. Ah, Yes. He's the best. Somebody was... um, He was. He was so touching. I love that guy. Doing multiple lines from the movie in the chat room. And I was like, okay. And I was making funnies. (laughs) I was making funnies about it. And he liked my funnies. Yeah, because as much as I love Chris Farley, I can't quote... Move, lines from movies and these people were all excited about <laughs> quoting Chris Farley lines and we were both right. like what the hell it was like of... they were doing the whole movie in the chat room right, like, Come on, right. wow stuff. wait so it's like a lot of different people in the chat room like it's not yes wow, so this I is like been... old school yeah I had been on the Canasta app school. for like a year and I made friends people that I felt comfortable talking to because they were in different states or you know like there was that mutual, I don't, I've had friends in my life, but they, 
there's always a wall of some kind. And this was like opening me up to having real conversations with people. And one guy there, I remember saying, he said, if you find out why someone is here in this app, you'll really know them. It was people who were lonely for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have a handful of clients that actually say very similar things about words with friends in case anyone's sick of the dating apps. Maybe you guys should look into that because, yeah, it's like you you start by wanting community and wanting something to do maybe with your spare time. And then you end up meeting people and then people end up visiting people or making Connection, sort of like the when we were talking about the video games, and you're like having these yeah. relationships with people on. I think it's called Switch or Twitch or something. Um, there you go. Yeah, you know, and so I'm I'm very curious. What a beautiful kind of story the two of you have of how you connected, and I love Heather that you have kind of no idea how long you've been married. Um, maybe a rough <laughs> rough uh, rough estimate. This truth empowered relationship piece. So of course Talia talked to the two of you before. I have no idea what that is. I wonder if you can yeah. tell us more about what that means. Yes, it's I, I've been I, I, I assume that you guys saw some of my background, but I've been uh, learning personal growth uh, from some of the world's most transformational teachers. And yeah. I incorporate what I learned from that and also my own innate wisdom from the relationship I have with Heather. And I fashion it like a board game. So. There's a structure to it and there are rules to it. And if you follow it, I don't know about you folks, but in relationship, there were many times where I was thinking, can't there be a fucking referee here? This is this is not what happened. This, I need a third person, which is why people <laughs> seek out therapy. But I, the difference in what I'm offering to people, and I get awkward at this point because I don't want to sound like I'm doing something that's better or worse than anybody else, including you folks. It's just my perspective on things. I want to teach people to be each other's healers. One part best friend, one part therapist, one part coach, one part intimate partner, assuming that it's your intimate partner. And they are are teachable things. I just had a session in my Truth Empowered Relationships live stream where I talked about noticing. Uh, For example, if I, and this is what, and there aren't, You'll pardon me. There are many therapists who I consider to be not qualified. I've, I've seen dozens in my life, and I've left them most of the time after one session because I can tell they're not the kind of person I want to open up to or with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to some person that you care about and they said, I went to the store with or, or to the football game, let's say, with Ed, Jim, Bill, John and, and Rod. It begs the question. Why did you say John differently? Why did you? Why did your voice go up? If people learn those kinds of things, suddenly you can have an intimate. Oh, I'll tell you why. You know, John, I laid down a twenty-dollar bill and went to the bathroom. I came back and it was gone. And whatever. <laughs> but there's all, charged information, for example. That's uh-huh. a tunnel. That's a tunnel that you can go down. That's a thread, as I call it, that you can unravel and find intimate juice in. Mm-hmm. Intimate juicing. I I really love that because I do, I talk to my couples sometimes about like when you get into this stagnant conversation rut where it's like, how is your day? Fine. How is your day? Good. What, how are you? Tired? Whatever it is. 
And with your kids, too, you're missing all of these opportunities that then you get closed out of. It's almost like you do have to find those back doors or those charged, what did you call them? Charged? Char uh, charged information. I would call yes. that charged information. Like, I love that idea of, like, we, if we're good listeners or we're asking the good questions, it lets our loved ones, our partners, our children answer a question that's actually interesting to them rather than, how is your day? Yeah, as a matter of fact, like she's the witness. Our son gets most involved at dinner. It's easy for him to do the, so well, how was school? Fine. What happened? Uh, nothing. I don't remember. It's easy for him to get in that rut. And if we yeah. if we give him the topic, as you know, the teacher will email us. We can get him involved. But the most easily involvable he is is when one of us are vulnerable, me or her, about our struggle, our challenge. Oh, he lights up, mm -hmm. wants to talk. So, you know, the, I always mm -hmm. say there are equal and opposite aphorisms. For every one aphorism, there's an equal and opposite other. Like too many cooks spoil the broth, the more the merrier. I always say, well. Vulnerability mm -hmm. creates intimacy. Its opposite is familiarity breeds contempt. Mm -hmm. If you're with someone and you're vulnerable and they want to be intimate with you, then you know that that's a person you can stay in relationship if you care about intimacy. But if you're vulnerable with someone and they treat you with contempt, that's a litmus test. You can say, I need to get out. I need to listen to my fight or flight instinct and get the hell out of here. Wow, so, Marshall, that's gold. Thank you. I really, I really love that. Heather, would you add anything to the truth-empowered <laughs> pillars or wisdoms? The one I like is talking about the observation. And when you tune into observe mode and then you ask those curious questions, you're not using that, you're not going into, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, creating stories. Right. Mode. Yeah. If your partner has some charged information and you think it's pointed at you or you make up a story, you, you assume you know what's going on, you're missing out on intimacy, you're missing out on connection, you're missing yeah. out on getting to know them. And, and that's creating static between the, you know, in the connection that, that, that pushes you further away, but also. Yeah, there's a distinction. There's a distinction between your intuition and a story in your head. And I spent over almost 10 years in a community where we promised, and then I have a couple of friends I do it with, where we promise to tell each other the truth no matter what. Because if you don't have those kind of communities, then it's very difficult to distinguish between is this my intuition or is this a story in my head? And mm -hmm. if you do have it, you could say, let me check this out. Mm -hmm. And no matter what it's about, they have to tell the truth. That's the agreement. Like clarifying. Clarifying so that there's a yeah. difference between why are you so frustrated and you seem frustrated. Yes. Now, if you seem frustrated, pardon me, you seem frustrated is an invitation. No, I'm actually not frustrated. I'm this. Why are you so frustrated? Yeah. People will experience that as an attack. Like they're oh, yeah. defensive yep. around it. Well, so right. how... Well, okay, before I ask this question, um, how... I mean, are there like five pillars? Like how would you... There are only four, okay. and you will recognize them because they are the four from medical ethics. And so oh. if you have a, a, a clinically ethical relationship, uh, it's beneficence, uh -huh. non-maleficence, 
and I those two I liken to uh, do unto others as you would have done unto you, and mm-hmm. what you would not have done unto others, do not or unto yourself, do not do unto others. The first one is from the New Testament. The last one is from the the second one is from the Old Testament. So those are two of them. Um, justice, and I lost my train. What's the? I have to autonomy. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yep. So the idea being. I'm not responsible for your emotions. You're not responsible for mine. I'm not responsible for your decisions. You're not responsible for mine. There was a uh, an energy worker that we dealt with on a frequent basis. And we had to leave. This person was seeing reality. In a, well, it was not real. They, they were deciding to believe a lie, which unfortunately is not that uncommon in society today. Yeah. And the only thing I regret in in retrospect is that I defended her. In retrospect, she was handling it fine on her own and I should have let her do it. I was not I did not let her maintain her own autonomy. Had I, it would have worked out just as well and probably even in in a way that that aligned more with her. Thank you. And so oh, for sure. what I'm hearing is that the four pillars of truth empowered relationships have a lot to do with kindness, the golden rule for sure, the golden rule, yep. honesty, and don't be codependent like that. We're each individual human beings, but to find that intimacy with each other, there needs to be this openness and do no harm. And that is the crux. I see so many people and I hear so many people taking that on. And I really think at the end of the day, we have to understand that people get to make their own decisions. We are all individuals capable of that. And I always tell people, you don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you. That's right. Like, but you have to like, let them have their own life. And I think we just, we tend to want to have some control over what somebody else does to make ourselves feel better. Right. I always think about it as, you know, I feel like I made this up and I'm using my hands for those listening. I'll tell, okay, so Marshall and Heather (laughs) two water bottles to show the two pillars, like two humans side by side. And then Heather put her cell phone on top of them as the bridge. Which is very symbolic, but it's beautiful. (laughs) And then um, if the two water bottles, if the necks, if the openings, if the mouths of the water bottles are leaning too close together in this codependent water bottle relationship, that is not good. And so like the way that I think about it is as trees and then the goal like you said is sort of this interdependence where we can hold our own yeah and we lean on each other and we're intimate and we share our lives with each other but if someone I don't know if there's like a a breach in the trust or if someone's having a bad day or whatever it is this other tree will be resilient and survive and be able to stand on its own two feet. Now, and then now. there's Go ahead. independence where, you know, there is that maybe the screen between them. They're standing really tall alone. And then there's counter dependence, which is like, fuck off. I don't need anything from anyone, which is like the most perfect segue into show us. Show us what it looks like in relationship. Um, 
we want to watch you guys in action and, and live and learn. Yeah, we promised our viewers we'd, we'd give you some examples, and we have some topics for you to kind of explore oh. a bit uh, with <laughs> us and talk about. <laughs> so we would love to see the two of you in practice. Let's talk about parenting. Okay. Can you think of any like strain difference? Yes, where you aren't seeing eye to eye and you are maybe irritated with discipline, each other. consequence. Yeah. Same food. How you manage food. Screen time. Oh boy, cell time. Oh, Heather is laughing and smiling. Well, I'm laughing and smiling because you've you've talked about like you've brought up examples and sure we've we've had conversations about them. But we yeah. always end up, we've never had in a the big beginning, one. in the beginning, yeah, was Heather one. was physically mistreated. It would be clinically called abuse in her life. And there were times when I would have to respectfully and in my reality, very gently discipline our son. And she would. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm characterizing, but she would blow her stack at me. This is a great example. It is a great example. Um, and I'm sorry that happened, Heather. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, so and so it took a while to help her realize that she was projecting what she wanted to have happened in her life onto me. You understand? Like you I were, you were our to son. Me. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't seeing you and your parenting and your messages and your, your guidance clearly, all I could see was him getting attacked, which is what so, it always felt like when I was growing your up. Your son. So let's talk about how the two of you communicated mm -hmm. in regards to this truth-empowered approach. Mm -hmm. This was a very difficult one. In the, yeah, it would be. in the beginning, it was hard to make her see it. And I didn't. I don't like to talk about the fact that I woke her up from gaslighting me but she was trying to tell me it wasn't happening. That's how walled off she was from her pain. Go, go ahead. Well, I wasn't only gaslighting you, I was gaslighting myself. Right. That's where the root was. And so I had to recognize that that's what was going on. Well, say more about that, Heather, because so far I'm not seeing the part where, I mean, so far what I'm seeing is that you've had trauma and that you were very protective and very reactive to the way that Marshall was parenting. Mm -hmm. But now, in retrospect, after working through a lot of it, you are realizing that maybe you were projecting your own trauma and your own needs than actually seeing in real time what was happening. But, like, where does the gaslighting come in in that, in that situation? Well, I, I started it when I was a kid. I started gaslighting myself pretty early on. Um, I would get punished for things. I would not be able to ask questions and try to seek understanding about why I was getting punished for things. So I would just start yeah. telling myself, well, I must have done it. Um, I must forgot it. I must have done it. I must deserve this. This, you know, this is just mm -hmm. my life. So that, that pattern just kind of kept going to the point where I was completely numb to it and blind to it. And I was just on that programming. And so I guess whenever I would see you, Marshall, um, trying to guide, because he's not a disciplinary person, he's not, a, not even really a consequence person, um, you're a guiding voice. And when I would see him go into that, all I could imagine was that my son was, was doing the same thing I was doing. 
Absolutely. He's going to develop That's where that projection same, comes in for sure. Right. Yeah. He's going to develop that same pattern. And like I had to, to convince myself, you need to protect him. You need to protect him. You need to be suspicious of Marshall. What have, what have you allowed into your home? You know, that type of stuff. So I was still on that programming without even realizing I was on the programming. Mm. And, and then it took time. It actually took, um, what is that? Avatar. Oh, the, uh, the, um, transparent beliefs. The reflections or something like that. I don't remember, but it was, there was an avatar book. There's a, there's a healing modality out of, out there called avatar. And it started talking about, um, you actually gave me a list of signs that you're of an abuser. And I was like, oh my God, I'm doing all of these things. And so like, I had to recognize that I had become an unhealthy person inside. And that's what trauma does, right? I mean, it makes us feel hyper vigilant and distrusting and afraid. And I'm also, um, because we were not flies on the wall, it's, it's, you know, I'd love to hear, I mean, is it just that you guys are noticing in real time there's a dynamic developing, or is it that it would become a fight again and again, and then you would sit down when the iron was cool and discuss? That one became a fight because I was fighting against the fact that I was projecting and I was in because I hadn't realized it yet. Sure. That one became a fight. But then later we were able to talk about it once I realized that that's what was going on. Pardon me. I'll just say this in a truth empowered relationship, which I had not developed at that time. uh, One of the rules is if one person elevates their voice. When it comes down, not only do you have to take responsibility for it, you have to talk about why. And so that would have led to some answers. What I kept doing was, do you see what you're doing now? Do you see which is not necessarily helpful if the person has agreed that they want to know what they're doing, that's a different yeah. thing, you know? So. If there's like a contract there of like, please tell me when I'm doing the thing. Well, and we're really talking exactly. about, basically, we're talking about communication skills and you know, Heather, again, um, your process feels really so important to our viewers mm-hmm. because what you need to do is kind of own what's going on for you. And that job of finding like perspective and gaining insight on the origins, which I believe so much in psychodynamic psychotherapy, I think we have to take a look at all of the pieces of our life puzzle in order to figure out why we behave the way we do. Mm-hmm. So your ability to kind of take that step back, and I don't know what what you did to really find that out, but you took a step back and you thought, what's going on for me? I am projecting my own experience. I'm assuming our son is experiencing what I did, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to go down that same path, which I think is a really beautiful thing as a parent, because you're able to say, you know, I'm going to, I want, I want to find that healthy balance instead of going to that place and just disregarding the possibility that that's not the experience he's having. Um, that insight that you gained is critically important. And I want to just observe, you know, or make a, a comment to our viewers. That's the work that everyone has yes. to do. Like you have to do that work to figure yourself out. You have to do that underlying growth and, and acknowledgement of, of what makes you tick. Which I'd love to dive in and say, that's the opposite of shame spiraling. It is. Right? Yep. Because you are able to take a deep breath and love yourself enough to know that your worth 
taking a look at a particular behavior that isn't serving you, which is different than spiraling yeah. and saying, I'm a horrible person, I'm unhealthy, I'm not fit for a relationship, just forget it, that's you right. know? And yeah. that's so hard. It is so hard. So I don't want to minimize that either. Right. No. You talked about shame. Okay, so I have I have multiple things. One thing that really helped me with parenting was whenever Marshall helped me remember that Wesley, that's our son. Wesley is not mine. He's not, you know, I birthed him. My body created him, but he is not mine to control or to assume that I know he's a separate human being. So when that ha when like that realization really set in, a little bit of understanding clicked. Like I really saw Wesley as not having the same childhood that I had, which made wow. it really easy for things to shift, you know, like, yeah. oh, that's mine. You know, he's wow. not of me. He's not my, he's not clay to mold. He's, he's a whole other human being to, to nurture into getting to know himself. That was huge. And I thank you for that. Um, and then you talked about shame. Part of shedding that, that gaslighting tendency, that, that self-loathing comfort zone that I had come so, mm. well, I became comforted by because that's what I knew. That's what I relied on. That's what... I had been feeding myself for so long. Part of that was feeling shame. I had to allow myself right. to feel shame that mm. I was, I was repeating this, this pattern that initially I picked up from my environment growing up. And then I taught myself and I really critiqued it and all that beautiful creative energy that I have, I made it perfect. So I had to feel shame at the way that it was coming out on other people. I was, I was, I was an abuser. I was a gaslighter. You know, like I, I had those, I grew up in a narcissistic home. You know, I, I developed narcissistic tendencies and I had to feel shame for that stuff. And sometimes feeling okay. shame is healthy in your growth. Sure. Not shame spiraling. Right. But feeling right. shame Beautiful is definitely differentiation. Healthy. Yeah. I yeah. will say this. I hope I'm not derailing you, but I'll simply say it is my contention as a person who deals in this, in this realm that people who hurt other people, and I'm talking about anybody who hurt somebody else, has yeah. made the decision at some point, I'm not going to feel X anymore. Mm. Right. Instead, instead of allowing any feelings, including potentially shame, one particular one, humiliation, whatever it is, I'm not going to feel that anymore. And that's what causes you to hurt other people because you're not willing to feel that feeling. It's the empathy, right? You've compartmentalized the part of you that can put yourself in someone else's shoes and experience the effect you have on them. Yeah, I had to relearn that um, as a kid. You know, I would get, um, they called it spanking, and uh, I would get spanked all the time. It was, a, it was constant. It was my favorite. My, I don't, we don't have to go into it too much, but. It was more than spanking. That's what they called it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I had to go into a place where I didn't feel like they would be punishing me, forcing me to be ashamed of myself and stuff. So I had to stop feeling it was a protection mechanism. It was a coping sure. method. So I like yeah. I had to unwind all of that. I created yeah. it all. And then 
there's a point where like you have to realize it's no longer serving my serve reality you. now. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I, 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 well, and it's almost like what you had to do, Heather, was dissociate. You had to like remove yourself emotionally from the circumstance in order to get through it. And to change that and to get back in touch and own what it is that that experience is involves processing what those relationships were, mm -hmm. taking a look at, you know, your own part of how you parent and making those changes. You know, I think all of us want to make a change and, and parent better than we were parented, especially if we had those experiences. So sure. how lucky your kids are that you're doing this work and you're taking a look at those pieces. It's pretty beautiful. Yep. Thank you for sharing the the parenting examples. Yeah. Well, so maybe should we do like one more example? We can. Let's do one more example. Um, how about you sexual pick. intimacy? <laughs> that easy one. Okay. And I feel like a lot of couples probably are trying to figure that out. So how do you even discuss that in real time in a truth empowered way? We just had a really good one recently. We did. Um, I don't even know how to really dive into it. My biggest thing about uh, sexual intimacy is slowing down. Mm. Wow, say more. Sometimes the desire to be sexually intimate does not align. Right. That's where it started for us. And then it unfolded into a conversation about how are we going to take care of each other's needs in that situation where they don't align. That's that so conversation was about that. And yeah. how do you navigate that? The way to do it in a truth-empowered relationship is simply to maintain telling the truth. The example I was going to yeah. give is there can be a moment where I am, uh, let's say, expressing myself in a certain way with Heather, and I then beat myself up because I think I'm being, let's say, aggressive in some way, mean in some way. And I keep what I'm doing, because, and that's something I credit Heather with, and say, I'm now beating myself up. I'm saying I was mean. Now, if she reassures me, okay. If she doesn't, that's okay too. I just got to express myself. And then I keep going. Yeah. We are both survivors of sexual trauma. So mm -hmm. it's okay to express yourself and not pretend like this is a movie and you have to be silent or only okay. say these sort of sexy things. So th that's what I mean by slowing down. You, you take where you're at in each and every moment of the expression yeah. and you're like, okay, so now I'm feeling like, I don't like to be cold. So I have to say, okay, I'm feeling cold and it's making me uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. you know, you yeah. really have to express every intimate detail along the way. Yeah. Because if she doesn't say she's cold, maybe we're not having a physical interaction simply because of that simply absolutely i mean but and it's interesting because it doesn't sound very romantic or in the moment if you stop and say you're cold right but if you don't express yourself you're going to be in your head that's right and you're going to be uncomfortable and it doesn't necessarily encourage that level of intimacy that you're seeking right. i also will say that of course sexual intimacy is very very personal and very very private and very vulnerable right and i i find that most people um and i i love what you two are doing in terms of truth and honesty but a lot of people can't be honest about what they like. They can't be honest right. about what positions or fetishes or kinks or positions or whatever it might be. And I, I encourage people, like, we have one life to live. Yeah. Um, explore it as, as pleasurably as you possibly can. So what a great example of an area that I think a lot of people would benefit from being more honest and truthful with one another. That's right. And so you can be in, your mo in the moment, in your body, in yeah. the experience, rather than feeling like you're swallowing down all of these discomfort 
comforts or preferences that you're not yeah. mentioning out exactly. loud. There's also a lot of healing that can happen in that area. Whenever you yeah. practice expressing yourself, um, we had to go through where something that occurred in my childhood made me not want to be touched on my breast. And then yeah. we had to go through that very slowly. And I would say, okay, touch, touch me there. I feel angry. I, I want to punch you because you're touching me there. And then mm -hmm. he would pull away and we'd talk about that and I'd feel my feelings about that. And then the next time it would be touch me there while I feel these feelings because I know that you're not here to cause me harm. Yeah. And then it would evolve into where I'm, I'm done feeling all that anger. I've worked through all of that. And now I can just feel that, that love that you have when you're touching me in that area. And that translates into any action that's going on within sexual intimacy. What yeah. I, what I find part of it. so incredible yeah. about that, and it's something that, I mean, it's just astounding that that is, that honesty is what has created the trust and that both of you are so emotionally intelligent that you can sit in that place and not take things personally. Right. As a matter of fact, that's what I was going to say. I hooked my finger or my thumb at her as she's doing this. <laughs> yes. I give her full credit. She's like, and don't worry, because at the end of this process, I will have worked through this and I'll be able to. So as she's saying we have to stop here, she's reassuring me at the same time. And that's a really special human being. That is. Absolutely. I think it's incredible. And Marshall, you said before about sort of like, well, you can't just do these things if you don't have the contract, right? Which I think mm. is really important. You've got to have that conversation before the conversations, the pre-conversation yeah. to set up your relationship so that it can be ready for that level of honesty. I will tell you, going along with that, and I have a friend I do a podcast with, and we've talked about this, lots of guys, I shouldn't say guys, people in general, but let's say the person who in this particular uh, moment is initiating. I, I use male energy in, times, in terms of penetrative, right? Um, yeah. We will start to wonder, is this okay for the woman? Is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? And one really cool shortcut for that is if the woman... Is, is developed enough with her sense of boundaries to say, it's always okay unless I let you know that it's not. Even if I say, "Ow, oh, that hurt. Even if I say, unless I say stop, I'm okay. It's very helpful for the relationship, for people who are always worried about the other, about their partner. I love that. And I would say for like same sex, I mean, what do you think about that? I'd say like, that's a great, rule of thumb for any relationship. Absolutely. I would say, of course, any relationship. I think love is love, of course. So. Love is love. And wow. a, a male energy can be in a person who considers himself a man or a woman. It's when I say that, I mean the penetrative versus the allowing energy, which we'll call right. for the, yeah. the receptive. Right. I like receptive. I do want to circle back. You talked about um, taking it personally. And if you're doing what we did was I would express the way that I reacted and then give him a turn to mm. express what he felt about my expression. That's lovely. So it's a back yeah. and forth yeah. thing. And that way both people are getting healing. 
or however. And really, Heather, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's communication. It isn't one person telling the right. other person. It is a joint effort. That's the bridge that I see as important is that there is a response to what it is that somebody is saying. It actually shows that you understand. It shows that you're listening. It shows that you heard what that person is saying. And you get to identify how that person, uh, how you experience what that person right. said. Right. right. Good yeah. work. Yeah. Marshall yeah. and Heather, we are so grateful that you came yeah. on our very first couple. This yeah. was so fun and interesting. Yeah. And will you please let us know where our listeners can find you, where you if you can feel free to plug anything that's going on for you of interest? I'm going to put your podcast, along with a bunch of others we've been on and some articles I've been writing. I mentioned the one for Authority Magazine on my website, which is my name. MarshallZweig.com. And in addition, I'll send you, if you're willing to put it in the show notes, I'll yeah. send you my link tree, which is linktree.marshallzweig. Link and then everybody can get all my links at once. And Zweig is Z-W-E-I-G, correct? That's correct. That's it's a very German name, right? It is. It means twig. Yeah. So that's <laughs> I know. <laughs> So also, thank you so much for that. And really, thank you both for sharing your vulnerabilities and stories um, and how you met to how it is that you maintain this relationship and how you keep it going. Thank you for your time joining us today. It's our pleasure. Oh, we will. And you are a pleasure to be with, both of you, both of you. Thank you. Thank We appreciate you. that. Yes. Take care, you two. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was Heather and Marshall, and we're so grateful that they joined us today and they were able to share their experience as a couple and how they manage it and maybe some even difficult stuff. So how yeah. great to have them on here. It's really interesting. You know, Ty and I um, have done so much relationship work and we've worked with so many relationships. So it was almost like I felt like, you know, it's like interviewing another relationship and figuring out what makes them tick and, you know, kind of doing some um, observations of that that type. It definitely tickled a different part of our brains For sure. to be able to work with them and we different but typical of that i agree the entirely couple dynamic that's right so we hope you found value in that and if you enjoyed today's episode don't forget make it put it out there in the world you can we're on youtube you can like and you can subscribe and if you wrote us a little review on whatever what is it called a platform you listen to it, us on. Whatever a lot podcast of, platform, is that where we that do it? There was a lot of dangling participles, but you know what I'm saying. And nothing would mean more than a little comment. And if you have any issues in your life that you want us to not only talk about on this, but give some thoughts on and give our perspectives on, please go to we'renotfine.com. We have a beautiful new website put together yes. by our producer. Um, we're adding some pictures of our team so you can kind of get to know who's behind the scenes as well. But please feel free to ask us anything. You can be anonymous. You can put your name on it. We would love to hear from you about anything causing you some curiosity or challenge in your life. And that's where we get our mailbags. That's so that right. We can, you know, share anonymously and just dive right into that. And there's also a brand new area on the website where you can subscribe to a mailing list that um, we're going to be pulling together some newsletters. We've got so many exciting things coming up that some of them no one will let me talk about even. That's, That's correct. Exciting. I'm trying to silence my co-host about some exciting developments. I'm like, can we talk about this? No. no. Can we talk about this? No. no. But here we are. And we love you guys. And find us on social media. We're on Instagram. Douglas L. Jensen with an E-N. That's me. 
DR Talia Jackson and We're Not Fine Pod. And find us on YouTube. Just look up We're Not Fine and you're going to get to see our new sexy dramatic lighting. This is what we do in the shadows. We hope you enjoyed it. We're not fine. But at least we didn't run into a door and break our nose like Talia. Rude. Accurate. <laughs> see you guys next time. Take care.